How many are thankful that we're not alone today? That's going to make sense in the next few minutes. We want to welcome you here today. First of all, let me just say this. I'm so thankful for you being here, getting through the weather here in New York City, and being here with us in person. We also love, as Ricardo and Pastor Patrick welcome those from around the country and around the world. It means so much to us. Let me just let you know who is with us live today. Every Sunday, I have the privilege of reading those that are joining, whether you're joining on YouTube, Facebook, or on our website. Um, we get to track it on YouTube, and let me just let you know who's watching from all over the world, live with us, and we want to welcome you today from Chile, Argentina, Peru, Belize, Mexico, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Colombia, Brazil, Guyana, St. Vincent, Puerto Rico, Jamaica. It's always Puerto Rico that you guys always, I get it, I get it, I get it. And no one claps for my people for Italy. No one claps for Italy. I knew it. Every time I, every time I say Puerto Rico, I have to pause because I know they're going to clap. It's awesome. Um, we do welcome those from Jamaica and the Bahamas, Barbados, Trinidad, Haiti is with us, Canada, we welcome you. Also, Kenya, South Africa, and Ghana, we welcome all those. Then in Europe, Ireland, Belgium, Germany, the UK, Sweden, Greece, Norway, the Netherlands, Russia, and Denmark are with us. And then over in Asia, South Korea, Malaysia, India, Hong Kong, China, I want to just remind you, TSC Chinese YouTube channel has launched two weeks ago. And so please, those that are watching from China, go to, go to the TSC YouTube channel, our Chinese channel. And then also we want to welcome Indonesia, Japan, and the Philippines today. Can we welcome all those that are watching online? Just this month, there is 1.5 million views of the YouTube page, and I want to just challenge you. You know what's amazing? 84% of you that watch on YouTube, not even subscribe. Last, this, just a few weeks ago, 5,000 of you hit the button to subscribe. I want to really encourage you to do that because that lets you know every time a message comes, um, every time something, uh, content is downloaded, whether it's R.T. Kendall, our general overseer, Pastor Carter Conlin, Claude Hood's message or Gary Wilkerson's message, hit, hit the subscribe button on YouTube. I believe another 5,000 of you can do that this next week. Now, he, let me give you just some good news today. I want to thank you. Now, this is the part I'm very excited about. Um, I want to talk to you about what happened on Wednesday at our Yale prayer meeting. Um, so let me give you some good news, a couple good news. Um, the final count was just sent to me. A thousand people gathered to pray at Yale University on Wednesday night. A thousand people. And I have to thank you in behalf of Pastor Carter um, and our team. We want to say thank you for those that got in cars, buses, took the train up to Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut. And right there on the right in the center of town, um, a thousand people gathered. Just to, um, We recorded the worldwide prayer meeting right there with the Yale, the Christian Student Union of, of Yale. Now, I have to tell you what Pastor Carter said. Pastor Carter said, would you send a thank you from me? And this is what I want you to say. I have to tell you what he said. He said, it has been a battle to get to this moment. He said, but when I saw 
the buses pull up from Times Square Church. And then he said this. This is the, it gets better. He said, when I saw all the canes and crutches get off, this is what he said. He said, I knew we won the battle. That's what he said. He said, at that moment, he said, I got all the prayer generals that showed up there. So if you showed up with a cane and a crutch, we knew we won because we had all the prayer generals that were there. And so thank you. Thank you for being there. Now, two things I want you to know, and then we're going to get ready to pray and go into um, back to biblical worldview. Here's the two things that have come out of it. Got the videos last night. It seems as a result of what God did last night, or I think it was last night or the night before, a spontaneous prayer meeting has broken out at Yale University. I've just seen the videos of what God is doing amongst the Christians at that university as we continue to pray. And now I just want to tell you the second thing, and I really want to challenge you online and in person. Um, what what has resulted from that, and I don't want to, I can't say anything now until it's confirmed. Um, we had three more invitations to Ivy League schools for prayer meetings. Three more. They said we need we need God to do something from from. And so we're let's just be. So here's what we're asking you to do. If you've not been part of even the Vision Fund um, of what we're doing, we're adding this to the Vision Fund. We, we are funding everything there. It's about 20, 25,000 per university. We bring in the staging, the microphones, the cameras. You'll get to see the Yale prayer meeting um, this Wednesday night on, online. So you're gonna have the chance to watch it. But if you've not been part of the Vision Fund, we've told you what we're doing from uh, the prisons to the, all the four YouTube channels, all those things. We're adding this to the list. So whether you've given or, or, or um, have not given yet, and you're going, I want to be part of that. God has opened up an amazing window to the Ivy League schools. Can we believe for God to do something powerful on that? Our series is The Bible Says. And what we're doing is we're calling it a biblical worldview from A to Z. I'm going from 26 letters to give us a foundation. What my goal is in these next 26 weeks is to equip you to speak and to stand in these dark times. That's my goal. I want to equip you, and I want for you to speak and to stand. And today is letter G. What we need to discuss today in biblical worldview is one of the most neglected topics in the church. It's going to surprise most of you. You will see shortly that it must be preached because it's what prepares the church to stand in dark times. I believe this, that wherever the Holy Spirit is at work, truth matters. Listen to me. When, it, when If you're part, this isn't the only church, if you're part of a Holy Spirit church, then truth matters. When truth doesn't matter, I'm telling you, the Spirit can't be there. Because Jesus said the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. So if it's a spirit-filled church, there must be truth. And so what we're going to get today for G is we're going to get the truth. Folks, it's going to seem odd to you, but it's one of the most misunderstood parts. G is for God. And we're going to talk. And listen, I'm not really sure the church talks about God very much. So let's talk about God today. Amen. So Lord, in these next few moments, we thank you for what you're going to do today. God, I, this, is, this is 
so ridiculous, a creature talking about the Creator. This is so ridiculous for me. God, somehow, would you just take these simple words and let people see the awesome God that reigns upon the throne today. God, I don't have it within me. I can't. Who, who am I to say this is what God is? But Lord, all I can do is take the revelation you've given us in the Word and begin to let that begin to live in people's hearts today. God, we have churches today that will talk about everything from leadership and people's greatness and destiny and all that stuff. God, I just I want to be a place that if you come here, you're going to hear about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. I want this to be a place where the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is always on the throne, always lifted up. You made a promise, Jesus, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. So God, do something special here today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Put your hands together one more time, and then you may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, choir. I believe in God is perhaps one of the most meaningless statements one can make today. Because opinion polls are telling us that 80% of our country here in America believe in God. But the God of the Bible may not be who they have in mind. In fact, it says 84% of the world that's watching right now, that some 45 countries that are watching right now are saying, I believe in God. But contrary to popular belief, listen to me now. We do not have a godless nation. We have a God-filled, that should be a small g, God-filled nation. Because it's not a matter of going God doesn't hear. It's just everybody begins to have what they begin to think God is. And I'm not only concerned about what the common man on the street is saying who God is. I'm concerned of what the church is beginning to describe who God is. A.W. Tozer said the church has surrendered her once lofty, lofty concept of God and has substituted it for one so low, so ignoble as to be utterly unworthy of thinking. And he says she has not done this deliberately, but little by little, without her knowledge. Her unawareness only makes the situation all more tragic. And then, then Tozer says this, what we believe about God is the most important thing about us. I was reading this piece of prose a few years ago and I don't even know how I remembered it, but I want to read it to you. It said this, little piece of prose. I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough God to equal a cup of warm milk and a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love someone of a different race or enough of him to, help me, to want me to help a migrant in our country. All I want is enough of God. I want excitement, not transformation. I want the warmth of a womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I'd like to buy $3 of God, please. That is very dangerous. And the $3 God is being preached all over pulpits today. I want you to understand, it was more clearly seen on the most important day of Christendom, which is Easter Sunday, as churches thought that to use secular music, whether it was Beyonce or Coolio, all these secular songs, to somehow think that the resurrection needs our help or the help of a secular song. Folks, listen, 
I send me all you want. I don't care anymore. This I'm going to we're going to get we're going to let God be exalted in this place. Listen to me carefully. Listen. I'm watching what's happening, a strange fire, this low view of God. Can I just help you? If we think that Jesus who defeated death, hell, and the grave needs our props to make it more. Folks, we have a death-defeating God, and we're going to help him with Beyonce? I don't think so. I think God has enough and has done enough and is enough that he doesn't need any of our help today. I'm letting you know that right now. The greatest sin of the 21st century is the trivialization of God. It's the depreciation of heaven's highest value and dumbing it down in the pulpits and in our churches. Because idolatry is not some group of people dancing around some carved image. Idolatry is when we give respect to our own opinions of who God is and fashioning a God from our own preferences. It is the worship of self because we're worshiping of who we thought God is. Isn't it amazing that to protect a new nation called Israel, God gave them 10 commandments. But what's amazing is was what was the first commandment God gave to his people as they started their new lives after they left bondage and after they left Egypt. Think about this for a moment. Exodus 20, it says this, then God spoke all these words. These are the 10 commandments. Listen to commandment number one. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. Here it comes, folks. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Do you know what he was saying? Think of this. God said you shall have no other gods to Israel, not a heathen nation, not an atheist nation. He was saying it to people that were monotheistic who believed in God. He said this to a people he said to believe in God, don't get ahead of yourself and make up something about me that just doesn't exist. Because believing in God was what he was telling them, never guarantees that you're going to end up worshiping the true God. We are getting more vulnerable to this today. I heard one person say this, according to Genesis 1:27, God created man in his own image. But today man has returned the favor and we have created God in our own image. What's gone wrong? And how can this happen? And in Psalm 50, God answers this question of what's gone wrong. I call it a horrible misunderstanding. It is God speaking for himself. And this is what he says in Psalm 50. Listen to these words. And now I speak to the wicked. Listen to what I have to say to you. What right do you have to presume to speak for me and claim my covenant promises as yours? For you have hated my instruction and disregarded my words, throwing them away as worthless. You forgot to condemn the thief or the adulterer. You are the, their friend running alongside them into darkness. He's speaking to his own people. Listen to 19 and 20. The sins of your mouth multiply evil. You have a lifestyle of lies devoted to deceit as you speak against others, even slandering those of your own household. And all of this you've done, listen to what God says, and I've kept silent. Here it comes. So you thought I was just like you. Look at those words. Leave that on the screen. He said, 
because you were speaking so much, didn't give me an opportunity to speak, you thought that I was just like you. Then God speaks and says, this is your last chance. This is my final warning. Think of those words. It hit me like a hammer. You thought I was just like you. It's a root and it's a condemnation by God and it still is today. It's God who has created, that we have created a God that believes in everything we believe in. Isn't that interesting? We don't want to be told what to believe and what sin is anymore. We have churches today that want a theology that evolves with our culture. Now, folks, strap in. Here we go. Here we go. It was never about gender identity, but God's authority when it comes to deciding people's gender. It was, listen, we live in a society that believes in the sovereignty of man, not the sovereignty of God. Folks, this is not, listen, it's not about gender. It's, it's a fight against God's authority. I wanted this on the screen. I, there are sentences I won't put on the screen. I want you to see what I'm saying so there is no mistake. People deciding whether they are male or female is nothing else but a rebellion against God who already decided it before it came to the womb. Okay, here it is. Leave that on the screen. You can take pictures. Say whatever you want. It is an issue of God's authority today. That's the fight. That's the fight that we're, that we're dealing with today. I, I, my mind goes back. It's not a digression, but my mind goes back to a children's book that I read many, many years ago from the great Christian author C.S. Lewis from the Narnia series, the very first one which is called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's the first time the children from, from, from Earth are meeting the, the characters, and now they're talking about Aslan, the lion, that represents God, Jesus. Here's, here's what happens. It was this conversation between Lucy and a, a talking beaver that was called Mr. Beaver, and it's, it's amazing. Listen to this. It said, when Mr. Beaver finished, Lucy said about Aslan, is is he safe? And this is my favorite line. Mr. Beaver said, safe? Who said anything about safe? He isn't safe, but he's good. And he's the king. Folks, let me let you know. Is God safe? Safe. God's not safe, but God is good. And here it is. And he's the king. That's what we believe today. God, if you're, if you're looking for a safe God, keep moving on. He is not safe. He will go after everything, and he is the king today. Folks, listen. If you say, I believe in God, we better get God right. If you say you're sitting here today, you're watching from Sweden or the UK, if you're watching from Barbados, if you're watching from Germany and you're saying, I believe in God, We've got to get this right. Jeremiah 10 is so important because Jeremiah is speaking to the very people that he gave the first commandment to, Israel. And in Jeremiah 10, hundreds of years later, he is writing to God believers, God believers who have been found guilty of, being, of recreating God in their own mind. 
They have recreated him. Look at their indictment in Jeremiah chapter 2. Look at these words. He says, go west and look in the land of Cyprus. Go east and search through the land of Kedar. Has anyone heard of anything as strange as this? Here it comes. Listen to what he says. Has any nation traded its gods for new ones, even though they are not gods at all? Yet my people have exchanged their, exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. And then he says this, the heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. It's right there in the scriptures. He says, what, what has happened? A nation that started out believing God for deliverance has now recreated God. And that's what he's saying here in Jeremiah 2. And so Jeremiah then begins to speak to this horrible trade that Israel has made. Jeremiah will use this phrase over and over again. There's no one like you. You are the true God. There's no one like you. You are the true God. And listen to Jeremiah's response in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 6. He says, there is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name and might. Who who would not fear you, O king of the nations? Indeed, it is your due from among all the wise men of the nations and all their kingdoms. There is none like you. Then he says this, but they, God doesn't hold back anything, but they're stupid and they're foolish. In their discipline of delusion, their idol is wood. This is the exchange. Listen to what he says. He goes, it's beaten silver. It's brought from Tarshish and Gold from Euphaz, the work of a craftsman and of their hands of a goldsmith. Violet and purple are their clothing. They're all at work. It's all skillful men that have created these, these trade-in gods. And it says this, verse 10. It says, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting. I just love that phrase. I have to pause and read that again because some of you are not listening. Here it comes. <laughs> But the Lord is the true God. Great place to say amen. He is the living God and the everlasting King. Is he safe? No, but he's good. At his wrath, the earthquakes and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Thus you shall say to him, the gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is he, the true, the living God, who made the earth by his power established the world by his wisdom and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens hallelujah hallelujah see the challenge is serving the living and the true god what god reveals of himself not an american god not a democrat god not a republican god it's not the god of the south or the god of africa or the god of europe it's not the God of New York City or even the God that Times Square Church. It is the God of heaven, the one true God, the everlasting God who sits on the throne. He is the one true God, and he, he fills up everything. So a little boy was asked by a teacher one time, how many gods are there in the world? She was being very antagonistic. How many gods are there in the world? And the little boy responded, one God. How do you know that, the teacher said. He said, because there's only room for one. 
Because if heaven and earth can't contain them, how can there be room for any other gods in this universe? That's what it says in 2 Chronicles 2.6. The Bible says this, for the heavens and the highest heavens cannot contain him. So I hate to say this, sorry to everybody else, we're all filled up. God inhabits everything right now. Hallelujah. So how do we not find ourselves on this Jeremiah track? How do we find ourselves not on this track that says, don't make any graven image, commandment number one, and then hundreds of years later, we have created something out of our own minds. How does this happen? We have to discover the one true God. How does that, here's a couple things, jot this down. Number one, only God can reveal God. Only God can reveal God. Or it becomes our imagination or our made-up version. Here's another great word for you. Listen to this. When God reveals himself, it's called revelation. It's God making mystery knowable, divine mystery knowable. If God becomes self-revealed to us, that means he gives us the grace and the capacity to receive it. So it is God revealing God. It's called revelation. And the response, this is important, the response to the revelation is called faith. That's what it's called. See, see, faith is responding to that revelation. Or let me just say it like this. Faith is believing that God tells the truth. That's what faith is. It says God tells the truth. God reveals himself. Because we couldn't figure God out unless he made the first move. And we call that revelation. Then God gave us the Holy Spirit so we can respond to revelation. Our response is called faith. It's believing what God said about himself. It's a revelation that moves to faith. And here it comes. This is an important part. This is where I want you to get. What God reveals about himself is called his attributes. This is what's important now, folks. What are attributes? Here it is. It's God's character. It's his reliable patterns that make God who he is. It's, the, the, it's, it's who he, I, or let me say it like this. I, I love this. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian writer, said it like this. He says, I believe in God because my imagination would never have thought up a God like this. That's, that's why we believe in a God that reveals himself. What's interesting is that when the New Testament, the Old Testament were written, atheism wasn't an issue. It was polytheism. The issue is not whether God is, but who God is. Because men usually start with the wrong, with the wrong question. God doesn't exist. Instead of starting with the, other, with the most important question, it is who is God? When I'm ever having lunch or breakfast with an atheist, as I told you before, I love agnostics. Atheists is my challenge. I ask God to help me love them. Agnostics are honest. Atheists, there's a pride that's there. So what I do with an atheist is this. I always ask him this. I said, so tell me the God, tell me the God that you don't believe in. Tell me about the God you don't believe in. I say, describe the God that doesn't exist. And they go through, and folks, 99% of the times, I said, I don't think he exists either. So let me tell you about the God that has revealed himself and the God that does exist at that point. It probably is the best launching point when you're talking to an atheist. Is you just, agnostics, I, 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 you find a moment of pain that literally, and even atheists, the moment of pain 
that says, I don't believe in a God that does this. And all of a sudden you're going, I get it because I don't believe in him either. See, why is this important today? Before, before we begin to go into those attributes, what I believe why God's people are afraid to take a stand for truth today, here it comes, let me say this, is because they don't know God. Why are churches afraid to take a stand of truth today? It's because we don't know God. Why, why are we afraid to stand up? Why, are we, why do we shun to speak truth? Folks, let me explain it to you. Get this down. Get your phones ready. I want you to write this down. I want you to write it down. Click, click this down. Here we go. Get this. Here it is. A man that has had a great influence on in my life said this. He said, a man who is intimate with God will never be intimidated by man. A man who is intimate with God. So here's what I want you to understand. You can't be brave without knowing God in these times. The people who know their God will begin to stand in difficult times. Here it comes. You ready for this? Here it says this, Daniel eleven thirty two. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Keep that on the screen. But the people who know their God shall be strong and shall carry out great exploits or do great things. Now, look at that for just one moment. Look at that verse. Because that verse is introduced by a conjunction. Okay? But is the conjunction. That means, here it comes, that means it is a response to something of the second half of this passage. So here it comes. This conjunction is connected to something. So what comes before the conjunction but in verse 32? Because the verse says this, but the people who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. That's, it's a response. You ready for this? This is amazing. What comes before the conjunction? Here it is. It's the Antichrist and his last days system. This is a prophecy of the last days, is what this is. It is, he's responding. Daniel has a vision of the end times, and he is giving us a picture of the Antichrist and his system. In fact, in verse 21, he calls him the despicable person who will set up an abomination of desolation, who corrupts the, the, the planet by smooth and flattering words and goes after those that are loyal to God's covenant. And so you have an antichrist and his system. And all of a sudden, Daniel says, but the people that know their God will be strong and they will do exploits. That shows us, get ready for this, that this, the, the action of the people of God is a reaction to the Antichrist system. He says, these are a people that are going, wait a second, this is what's happening? Because we know God, we can't just sit here. We have the power and we have a God in us that is able to stand against these things. He is saying the people who know their God are not afraid of the most wicked man that will soon walk this planet. He says they will know God is greater. They will know God is stronger. They will know God is with them the entire time. Folks, I believe there is coming a new courage to Christians 
who will not be intimidated by the mobs, the courts, the laws, picketing, but because they know their God, they'll see how vital it is to know the true God. And here's what I believe, that the darker the times come, the braver the people of God become in these last days. And that's why I'm telling you, I love what one man said. He said this, he says, as I grow older, I care less and less what people think about me and more and more what God thinks about me. Look at this last one, because I expect to be with him much longer than I am gonna be with you today. Keep that on the screen, take a picture of that, tweet that. Put it back up on the screen. Tweet that one. So when someone goes, why does Pastor Tim say that? Because I expect to be with God a lot longer than I am with you. May we be a people that know God. And let me tell you why. Because we are fighting the greatest battle with the most untrained army on earth. We are fighting one of the greatest battles with an untrained army. And we need to be an army that knows God. We don't need to know about us and what we feel and, and this is how we need it. I want to know who God is. The people who know God will do exploits. Not the people that know me. Not the people that know you. I need to know myself. Well, th listen. I don't want to know myself. I just want to know God. I already know. I'm, I'm messed up. So I just want to know God is what I want to know. Knowing me is not going to do anything. Knowing who he is, that's the people that stand and are brave in these last days. The study of God will prepare you to stand. And here's what God has revealed himself. I want to give you three attributes. Because it's not the great faith, it's not great faith you need. It's faith in a great God that you need. So I want to go ahead and un give this to you today in these next few moments. I want to talk to you about our God is, here they come, the attributes. Our God, number one, is omnipresent. Number two, our God is omniscient. And number three, our God is omnipotent. Look at me for a moment. If these words are foreign to you because you're new in the Lord, then we're going to help you today. But if these words are new to you and you've been in the Lord, then we need to break down every idol image of who God is, and we need to rebuild the God of the Bible again. So here we go. Our God is omnipresent. Here it comes. Don't get afraid of these big words. I'll, I'll break them down. Psalm 139, I'll give it to you in a second. What does omnipresent mean? Here it comes. Omnipresent means God is everywhere, always. Folks, this is good stuff, which means he can hear prayers on Tuesday night at TSC, Wednesday night at Summit, Wednesday at Yale, in India, and in the Philippines all at the same time, and it never gets him frustrated. I'm frustrated when I have one kid in my house saying this and another. I'm going, be quiet. I can't hear what they're saying. God goes, I can hear everybody at the same time. He listens to every prayer. He never hushes anybody and says, shh, I'm listening to India right now. He doesn't do that. He hears all of you. If you're whispering a prayer right now, he goes, I hear you in this section. I hear you in the balcony. And I hear you in the UK. That's how great he is. God has the ability to listen to every single person, every single moment, every single day. And all I can say is how great is our God. <laughs> Jeremiah 23 says it like this. Am I a God near at hand? Says the Lord, I'm not a, and I'm not a God far off. He says, can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him? Says the Lord, do I not fill heaven and earth? He is everywhere. 
Or let me put it like this. Get this down. There's no space and there's no place without God. Folks, you can try to hide. He's not a, he doesn't show up at churches and cathedrals and synagogues. God will show up in the projects and God will show up at a club that you went to last night. God will be at the Hilton that some of you snuck in asking the concierge, hey, where's a church with a gospel choir? And somehow you can't leave because God is in your seat, keeping you there and glued you to your seat. And some of you are sitting here today, one day, not thinking, well, God wasn't with me last. He was there every time. Here's what David said. I can never escape from your spirit. I can't get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride in the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest ocean, even there, your hand will guide me. Your strength will support me. If I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light to surround me, to become night, even in the darkness, hallelujah, I can't hide from you. God is in touch with every part of creation. God can't. Let me tell you what you can never accuse God of is being an, a, 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 a father that is not there. To be a, an uninvolved father. He is there. Here's the catch. Though God is present everywhere, God's presence is not everywhere experienced the same way. Because he's not acknowledged. But he's there. He's there. He's there for you. I asked my daughter if I can share this, and she gave me permission. Last weekend was one of the toughest moments for Cindy and I as a parent. I wasn't supposed to be here last Sunday to introduce Pastor Carter um, to the church, but I needed to be here. I needed to be with the people of God last Sunday, and I needed to be in the presence of God last Sunday. Um, my daughter plays volleyball for a junior national team and she just recovered from five months of knee surgery. And while playing at a tournament in Philadelphia last weekend with 130 teams, they were playing qualifiers to who's going to go to nationals in Chicago. And they were playing the undefeated team from Texas. And while they were playing that, they brought the team back. They were even, and now they're playing a tiebreaker. And so my... We call her Amazing Grace. When Grace, Amazing Grace was diving for a, a ball, she's diving, the knee of one of her players hit her right in the mouth. Um, it, was, it, I, I, it was horrific. And I just watched a girl as a dad. I just prayed. I said, God, don't break her spirit. I said, she just got off of five months of knee surgery, and now... We don't know if her teeth are there. We don't know what has happened. Blood is everywhere. I think I'm the only man left in America that still carries a handkerchief in his back pocket. And I pulled that out. It's all we had to hold the blood and to keep it there. We rushed to the hospital, which was only eight minutes away, holding my handkerchief over her mouth and went into the operating room because they needed to do, they wanted to do, they needed to stitch up inside of her mouth and do oral surgery. And the doctor, the doctor looked and says, do you as parents want to stay? And in my spirit, I said, no, I don't. But I didn't, did, those words didn't come out. So I just said, Grace, what do you want us to do? And Grace goes, would you stay? I'm going, oh, yes. <laughs> Cindy held her arm and I held on to her leg. And I couldn't even look. I just, it's just me. I got squeamish and I just, I couldn't look. And all I did was pray in tongues. But there was a moment 
that I just said, I said, where are you? God, where are you? This little girl fought hard, and now she's sitting here, and where are you? And I, and I was praying in tongues. I, eventually, I asked Grace after the whole story. I said, did you feel me squeezing your legs? She says, oh, I felt you squeezing. And I didn't tell her that's when I was really angry with God at that moment right there. And I was just, I just, I held on to her leg and just prayed in tongues. I said, where are you? Where are you? I'm crying out to the omnipresent God. I'm crying. This is a pastor who knows the theology of this. And I'm asking in, in Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania, of Philadelphia, I'm going, where are you? Where are you? And then all of a sudden, God kept bringing to mind every small thing to show that he was there the whole time. He just says, the director was there. Her car was there. The best children's hospital in the country was there. there was, they brought you in immediately. There was no wait. You got there. They did the surgery. They were able to, to, to get the teeth. They were able. To, and all of a sudden, I kept thinking, and God just kept saying, he says, where was I? I've been, I've been orchestrating this whole thing to be with this little girl. Folks, here's... I'm going to tell you the, the, the revelation I've got, and it's this. You need to get this. Gratitude finds omnipresence. Get, get that down. Get that down. Gratitude. When you start thanking him, you see his presence working through. And here it comes. I'm going to say this to some of you. Ungrateful people never notice God. Ungrateful people don't notice God. Because you're so locked into to the moment. And all God did to me in that hospital room is I'm grabbing on the dear life of my precious grace's leg is God keep bringing back. I was here. I was there. I brought the right person. The car was right where you needed it. The right doctor. The right people. Everything was there. And all I could do is to say, God, thank you. You are everywhere. You are omnipresent. You are a great God. Hallelujah. But our God is omniscient. Omniscient. Omniscient means God is all-knowing. There's no mystery to him. There's, God never scratches his head and never goes, wait, let me Google this. <laughs> never. Let me see if this is on YouTube. He, he never has to do, he knows every language. So whether you're crying out in your native tongue from, 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 from Japan or whether you're crying out from China, you may be crying out in Russian right now. Here's, let me just help you. Let me just tell you. He hears it. He understands the Italian language. He understands whether you're speaking from a, from a dialect down in Central and South America. God, God doesn't have to relegate himself to go like, Hey, listen, you got to learn Spanish or, or, or English. That's the only two languages. He knows your life. It doesn't matter your dial. It doesn't even matter whether you speak with good English. He knows it. God knows everything perfectly and exhaustedly. Nothing is hidden from him. I was reading through the book of Daniel just recently, and this one verse when Daniel was going through his hardest time, not knowing what tomorrow will hold for him, and he's praying, God, I need to hear from you. He has to interpret a dream or everybody dies. The, the book of Daniel is about to be a short book where Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, they're all about to die if they don't know the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. 
And Daniel just praised these words. And boy, I've just been holding on to it. Listen to what was in Daniel's prayer, 222. It says this, he knows what is in the darkness. He knows what's there. Whether your future is, is in the dark, whether you're in the dark in this battle, whatever it is. I've been just quoting Daniel 2.22 over and over again. He knows what's in the darkness. He knows what's ahead. 1 John 3.20 says this about a people that are struggling with condemnation in their heart. He says, for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than his heart. And look at the last words, and knows all things. So I want to make a statement here. If you are in a government position, you are in politics and say you believe in God, remember, God is omniscient, which means he knows what's best. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? So here it comes. So to all judges, congressmen, those at the UN, anyone in politics who believe in God, that means when God defines something, you go with his definition because he's omniscient. Folks, this, this is why... This is why we're getting, we keep asking ourselves, how can they say they believe in God and do this? Because if it's not the true God, if it's not the omniscient, if we don't believe in an omniscient God, then here it comes. If we don't believe in an omniscient God, then what happens is, then we allow a court or a majority to define it instead of God who is omniscient. That's good, Pastor Tim. I like that. That's awesome. I agree with you. I, if you don't want to help me, I'll help myself. I'll just tell you that right now. I, I, I'm going to do this at the 1 o'clock service, and I'll amen myself. So if you want to be the 10 o'clock sleepy group, that's fine with me. I'm good. I'm alive right now because I serve a God who is omnipresent, and I serve a God who is omniscient. Theologian R.C. Sproul said it like this, when God says something, the argument is over. Or if you're from New Jersey, over. When God says something, the argument is over. Why? Psalm 147 verse 5 says, great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. That's what it says. When the United Nations headquarters were being built right here in New York City, there was some controversy as whether to put a place of worship in the building. And they were debating over that as they were building the UN. And one of the New York newspapers depicted it with, I mean, it was genius. One of the New York newspapers carried a cartoon with this huge hand, God's hand, and in the center of his hand was a globe. And on the globe were these little dots of world leaders. And they showed the caption that they were all in a heated argument. And the caption read, do we need to invite him also? That was the caption. Can I answer that question? <laughs> yes, you do. Because you can't fix it. You need omniscience, you need omnipresence, and you need omnipotence to deal with the world's issues. 
Because Corey Temboon, the great Holocaust survivor, said it like this. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, hallelujah, you'll be at rest. That's the way it works. Our God is omniscience. Let him define it. Finally, and let's close with this. Our God is omnipotence. Revelation 19. Omnipotence means God is all-powerful. God never looks at a situation and says, well, that's outside of my pay grade. I can't. I, I don't do that. That's too big to fix. I don't have the proper tools. With our God, all things are possible. Cindy and I were standing in a line at Barnes & Noble's bookstores, and they always strategically put this rack of books there that they want you to look because they're not going to, they'll have six cash registers, but two people. So they want you to be in line so you'll buy more stuff. And so they always put these big books on the thing. So as we were going by the, with these random books, I looked at one of them. And it was all these crazy facts. How much change is left at the TSA checkout line um, every year? How many baseballs do they use in an MLB? I mean, all these crazy facts. But the one that caught my attention was one about first and second century Rome. In Rome, they, they, whenever a Caesar, and these Caesars used to proclaim themselves as God. That's why every time you read in Romans, and it's, and it's important that it's, you know it's in Romans, Romans chapter 10, and when you say Jesus is Lord, that was fighting words to the Caesars and to the system. Because it was the Caesars that says, I'm Lord, Kurios, I'm the Lord. So just to show that God is omnipotent and God is in power, this is what that book said. They said, these Caesars who thought they were God were losing power so fast, they couldn't keep up making their busts with their heads to go like, this is who is in charge. That what they started to do was they just made the head and they started to screw off the heads and they would put another head on. They're going, oh, he got killed, put another head on top of that. Oh, and he's dead. He only lasted a few months. We can make that quick. So they wouldn't make the whole bus. They would just switch out heads of all of these because they kept losing power every single time. Can I give you just some good comforting news today? You don't have to. God is not leaving. God is not going anywhere. He is there forever. He is omnipotent. He is the head, and that head is not changing because he is on the throne. We have heard that he's not going anywhere because he is omnipotent. Listen to Revelation 19.6. He said, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, the sound of many waters is the sound of a mighty thundering. We're saying hallelujah for the Lord God, omnipotent, all-powerful, he reigns. He's not going anywhere. It's an attribute that says that he has more power than you can ever conceive. Listen to how Paul says it. He says, glory to God who by his mighty power at work within us is far able to do more than we could ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, and hopes. May he be given glory forever and ever through the endless ages. I, I want to pause here for a second. I'm going to ask just for a moment. I want the worship, uh, our, our band to come just, just to get ready. I want to say something about worship for just a moment under omnipotence. Okay, keep this in mind because I felt strongly to say this. Worship 
get this, is responding to revelation. Okay, let me say that again. I want, all, I want everybody to hear this. Singers, you can come out too, because I want, I'm going to say it to your face. <laughs> Worship is responding to revelation. Remember what revelation is. It's when God reveals himself that you couldn't find on your own. It's God revealing himself. Worship is responding to revelation. Now here it comes. When we don't have a revelation, I'm gonna, can I talk, I'm gonna talk to them for just a second. Without a revelation of who God is, here it comes, then we start worshiping worship. Then all of a sudden we get into the songs. We, it's like songs. Folks, let me just tell you something. That, don't, that doesn't last. It doesn't last. So when we don't have a revelation of who God is, then it's about, ooh, look at this, look at this, look at this. Ooh. And it's, it's all that stuff. And it means nothing. Here's what's, here it is. Watch the, here it comes. See, without a revelation, then you're responding to music and all the peripherals. If we don't know who God is, then the music, okay, let me, let me give it to you. Okay, some of you are looking at me. Okay, oh, it's okay. I'm not afraid of you either. Here it comes. I'm kidding. They're all wonderful. Here it is. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Get ready. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with his music and song. Here it comes. Revelation. Why? For the Lord is a great God, the great King above. He says, you shout, sing, and you, you sing aloud because God is great. Not because you're great on the keyboard or you're great on the drums or because you could do your, your finished thing on the bass. It has nothing to do with you and, and yeah, the finished guy on the, on the organ too. Let me, let me just tell you something. Now, it means nothing. If they don't see God, if it's all about you, then they start with, folks, listen, here it comes. When God is lost in the church, then praise turns into manipulation. So that's why I love when Kareem and Ricardo stop and let you sing. You know why? Why is it the church is, some of you are going like, why are you picking on the church? Because we need to get a revelation of God. Why is it churches don't sing anymore? Why do we sell coffee in churches lobby? Because we don't need you to sing anymore. We just need you to watch. Yeah, listen to me online. Go ahead, say whatever you want. Say, say, why? why? Because, because, listen, if you have a revelation of God, you need your hands. You need your legs. You need your mouth. You need to go, listen. And if you're new here, you got to understand, I have to say this. I was sitting next to someone not too long ago, and man, I, I just wanted to worship, but they, they were getting in my space. See, these seats are so thin. And so we have a thing in New York called airspace. So, so here in New York, you can't worship in Times Square Church like this, because then you get in the way of all the other people. So you have to worship like this. But I, would, I was next to someone who was going like, was going like, bro, come on. This is... It's my seat. They can't. You're messing things up for everybody. But here's what I don't know. I don't know their story. And I, they, they could care less that I was there. They were sitting there going, God, I love you. You're, you're, uh. And I'm like this. 
But you know what they did? They had a revelation of his salvation. They had a revelation of who God is. They had a revelation of what God has done. It's not about, it's not about music. It's not about the music. I'm, this is just a helper for the revelation that God reveals himself in. See, that's why, that's why we have to understand. Psalm 22, listen to this. You who fear the Lord, praise him. For from you comes my praise. Oh, don't miss that. From you comes my praise. Not the song. Oh, we got to do this new song. It's going to really get me. No, 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 no. That's not it. That's this way. From you comes my praise. When you're omniscient, when you're omnipresent, when I understand that, then this is not hard. We don't have to bring you arms. Say this. Lift your hand. Do Listen, I, get, I do that sometimes. I'll, I'll look at you and go, say this. Do this. If you know God, Ricardo and Kareem should go, be quiet. We're trying to do, because you should be so out of control because you know he is great. You know he is awesome. You know he is there. You know, listen. All right. <laughs> okay, here we go. Let me just say this. Woo, Jesus. He is, he is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He's omnipotent. Nothing is too difficult for him. He's omniscient. He knows what's right. He knows everything what's right and what's the best. He's omnipresent. Now, I have to close with this. Here it is. I have really, okay. What, what, oh, I'm good. Here we go. One of my favorite Pastor Carter Conlon stories is when he was talking to Teen Challenge guys that have just been broken free from drugs. And he said, I was speaking on omniscience and omnipresence. He's going, God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. God, God is, God, God is, 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 is omnipotent. He said he was talking to them and they just weren't, they're going like, we just got off the streets. We don't know what these were, like, what, what is that? And this is one of my favorite, he said, and then it hit Pastor Carter. They don't, they don't understand. So he said, he said, he came up with something else. He just goes, so instead of omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent, he goes, how about this? Instead of omni omnipotent, God all-powerful, he goes, how about O-M, I'm all-powerful. I'm everywhere, and I'm smart and wise. He goes, he goes, maybe this will help you. If you want to know the attributes of God, I'm able, I'm here, and I'm smart. That's the best way to describe it. I'm here, I'm powerful, and I'm smart. That helps me to fight my battles. That helps me to stand in the darkest times. That helps me to do what God wants me to do. Pastor Tim, you've just, this God is so huge. Yes, that's why we praise him. But he's also the God that can come down to your seat right now. Because greatness doesn't mean distance. Greatness doesn't mean distance. There's one verse I want to read to you as we close. It's a massive bridge between greatness and closeness. It's a massive bridge between immensity and intimacy. Here it is. Psalm 147. He heals the broken heart. Hallelujah. And he binds. How many, how many need some wounds bound up today? How many need, how many broken heart? Watch this. 
before you can even hold your heart, he throws you into outer space. While you're doing this, oh my heart, boom! Look at the next verse. He counts the number of the stars and he gives them. Do you see what he just did? He was just as close to your heart and now he's in, the, he's in outer space. And all of a sudden it says, great is our Lord. Do you understand that? He heals the broken heart, catapulted to outer space and says, I know every star that's up there. The universe and the person, stars and broken hearts. God is concerned about them all. Heaven and its glories, earth with its griefs. And God is, he's the God of the stars. And he's also the God of the saints. He knows every star. By, folks, think about this. He can run a universe and he can run our lives. He's the God of this planet, the God of stars. Okay, let me throw it like this. The closest star in our solar system is the sun. Ready for this? 93 million miles away. 93 million. And all you have to do at 51st and Broadway is go, God, I need you. Bam, he's there. 93 million miles. And God goes, I know the stars and I know your heart. And I can get there. How close is he? There's an old song we used to sing, Kareem, called, He's as close as the mention of his name. That's how close he is. That you could sit on 51st and Broadway and go, God, I need you. And he goes, I'm here, but I'm also can run the universe. How can you do that, God? He's omniscient, he's omnipresent, and he's omnipotent. God can take care of a star and a cry at the same time. All you have to do is cry out to him. There's a God that not only keeps this universe that says sunrise every single morning, there's a God that can fix your heart today. If we could just stay on the topic of who God is, we don't need worship conferences. We need God conferences. Just to go, this is who God is. Folks, then worship happens. We don't need the peripherals. We don't need all that stuff. God, it just happens. If you know who God is, hands automatically go up. Knees automatically go down. Tears automatically come down. Why? Because he's God. We've missed it. We've, we've thought, we thought, we thought, no offense. We thought you usher us in. You don't usher us in. You don't usher us in. You could be the best guitar player. You, Barry could be the best kid. You don't usher us in. The revelation of who God is brings us to the throne. We get to help. When I preach, when I preach, I'm not ushering them in. I'm just doing, I'm with you. I'm just, I've got, you play, I preach, but it's God who is the center of attraction. It is God and who he is. That's why, folks, you, you can remove everyone here, the quiet, you can get rid of me. He's still on the throne. And guess what? You can still worship. You don't need a preacher. You don't need any of this stuff. You have a God that sits on the throne. It's a, that should be enough. That's it. Now, granted, I like hearing all these guys. I like hearing the quiet. I like that. That just adds to me, but it's him that we go, the God of stars and the God of scars. That's the God I serve. He is omniscient, everywhere, knows me, knows my name. He is omnipresent everywhere always. He was with me in a hospital, in a surgery room with my little girl. 
and he is omnipotent. He's God who's all powerful. Nothing is too difficult for him. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Without even singing anything right now, could we just, come on, let's just praise him just for a moment. Lift your hands and lift your voice for just a second. Come on, church, open up your mouth and just worship him for a moment. Hallelujah. God, we glorify you. God is great. If you don't even know what to say, just go, God, you're omnipotent. God, you're omniscient. God, you're omnipresent. You're with me today. Hallelujah. Come on, if you're watching from around the world, you can open up your mouth in the Philippines. Open up your mouth in Barbados. Open up your mouth in St. Vincent and China. If you're in right now the Ukraine, open up your mouth and we just say, God, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, with your voices. How great is our God. Sing with me how great. Sing it, church. He's great. Sing it again. How great is our God? Come on, sing it. Lift your hands and sing how great. Come on, help me now. Sing with me. great is our God. Come on, help me now. Let's sing. Now we're going to sing it. Come on. How great is our God? Sing it, church. Sing it loud.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With every head up, every eye open, I want to invite you to give your heart to God today. That's all I'm going to, that's all I'm going to say. But why, why would you not? Like, why would you not? To the atheist, to the agnostic that may be sitting here, may be watching, we've, we've done our best to present to you today a God who is always there. To present to you a God who knows what's best for you and a God who is all-powerful. And today, you can have God walk into your life and change you from the inside. You can leave this place changed today. He's the God, I'm just telling you, he's the God that governs the stars in heaven and he's the God that heals the scars on earth. That's who he is. That's what David does. David goes, you heal my broken heart. You number the stars. How great is our God? I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to be religious. I'm asking you to understand he is the God that is able to come and wipe away every tear. But he's not, here it is, he's not safe, but he's good. And he's the king. Because safe allows you to go, okay, then I'll just do this Sunday thing with God. No, 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 no. When you give your heart to God, see, man creates religion that you get, God gets to talk to you for an hour, if you come to Times Square Church, two hours on Sunday. But that's not safe. That's safe. God says, I want every day. I want your Mondays. I want your Tuesdays. I want every day of your life. Today, he can come to you. If you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I don't want religion. I don't want, I, I, I want the God of heaven to come in and change me from the inside out. With every head up, keep your eyes open. I want to lead you because that relationship is called being born again. What does that mean, Pastor Tim? It's Jesus' words. Being born again means it, it's a brand new start to go, man, I've messed this up. But he is the God of heaven. He's the God of the stars, but God of my scars. It's, it's the, born again means second chance. It means just as you had a first birth and got to start. And let me just tell you something. Every one of us has messed up our first birth. Can we all agree with that? How many, how many wish you can get a do-over? How many? Here it is. You get one. It's called being born again. You get a do-over today. And today you can change. If you're going, Pastor Tim, I want that kind of relationship. The Bible says Jesus dying on the cross, that Kareem and Ricardo led us in all those cross and, and, and the blood of Jesus songs reminds us the only way we can get to God is through Jesus Christ. And if you want that kind of relationship that just says, Pastor Tim, I, I don't have everything together. Exactly. But he does. So while you're trying to get good and come to God, God says, no, 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 no. Come with your scars, broken hearts. Come with all your wounds. Come with everything. Let me heal that. You can't heal yourself. You can't, you can't make yourself presentable to God. God came for us in our condition as we are. And so whether you're watching online from around the world, listen to me, listen to me. Listen to me right now, because there are some of you right now that are in the Netherlands and in Amsterdam. He's speaking to you right now. There's some of you that are watching from Japan. God, the Holy Spirit, and for China, God is speaking to you right now. But if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I want that. I want God to come into my life and change me. I just don't want to be, be in a religious place. I want God with me every I want God with me. I want relationship with him today. If that's you, with every head up, every eye open, 
even watching online, just say, would you pray for me today? Would you pray? Put, and I'm going to pray a born-again prayer, but if you're here today and say, I want to be part of that, without any hesitation, I'm just going to ask you really quickly, because I've gone way over time. Here it is. If that's you, and just say, put me in that prayer. When you pray that, I want to be part of that. Balcony, main floor, hold up your hand right now. Just hold it up as high as you can. I want to see it. Keep them up, because I want to see every hand that's up. Keep them up. That's awesome, 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 awesome. I see all these hands that are up. Balcony, yes, got you over there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome. You can put your hands down. I want us to pray this together. Come on, let's all pray this together. Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say this with me loud. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. The Bible is my guide. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.